all right, I'm at one second, two seconds, three seconds, four seconds, five seconds. This is Luke's end. All right, uh, so you are three-fourths of the way through Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, or the Philosopher's Stone if you are British. What do you think of it? I So I, I'm, I'm walking up, and my coworker just gave me, Mary Beatty, just gave me the book, and I'm walking up, and I said, hey, have, have any of you, to my daughter's friends, have any of you guys read Harry Potter? And they go, yeah, yeah, and they're in sixth grade, sixth grade. And uh, I said, uh, when did you read it? And they both go, uh, second grade. Yeah, second grade for me. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm going to read it now. <laughs> you know, like, I feel like such a tool, but um, I like it. It's a great, it's, it's a fun story. And I'll tell you this much. Number one, I've heard Hogwarts so much. I didn't realize how. Hoggy, hoggy, Hogwarts. Uh, yeah, how on point uh, J.K. Rowling's is with all the witchy stuff like, oh, toads and eyeballs of beetles and Hogwarts and, you know, stuff like yeah. that. So I was like, oh, Hogwarts, like uh, Hogwarts. Okay. And you've seen sense. all the movies, right? I have, but right when they came out, and I never watched it okay. afterwards. So, but I do have one question that came from all the movies yep. and from what I've read so far, and that's this question. Why the hell do they still allow Slytherin as a, a household? Very good question. Every, a very like, literally good Hagrid question. said, oh, there's Slytherin, not a, a single wizard that turned bad did not go yeah. or was all in that house. It's a wonderful like, point. Seems it's time to shut that down. <laughs> Maybe you should stop that. Also, no safer place in Hogwarts. Yeah, they seem to be under attack all the time. No safer place in Hogwarts. I beg to differ. Uh, yeah, pay. This is all. all I'm going to be that that like annoying person who's already unread the books and is going through them all all again. There is just like, especially in that book, absorb yeah. all the foreshadowing. Just absorb it. That's well. I mean, you can't because it's foreshadowing. But I am being very scrupulous to themes and like. Okay, I remember this, and I remember that. That's so what I meant. I'm paying particular attention to. Uh, let me think. I'm paying particular attention to like every detail about his parents, uh, about the night, um, even about the the like Dursleys and you know whatever whatever his name. The way is. people the, stare the at the other family. people where where yeah. where they stare. What they look yeah. at, yeah. Uh, I'm up here, okay, <laughs> wizard. Quit looking at these. Look up here. It's a. This is a prosthetic belly. <laughs> uh, Saturn and Mars, man. Saturn and Mars. I don't care about your witchcraft, Luke. I believe in Jesus. He alone <laughs> conquers. Uh man, Jesus. I used to know him. Um. So and then the quarantine happened and you thought, <laughs> but you were supposed to make my life easy. Isn't that what you said? Take up your rose colored, rose covered mattress yeah, exactly. and follow me. How's your quarantine going? How are you doing? Really terrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me too. Me too. <laughs> At one point, me and my wife held each other crying in the kitchen. How does that sound for? Uh, oh. Uh, oh. I saw your tweet and then I was very worried about you. And then I was like, well, he tweeted asking for prayers as opposed to telling us in our WhatsApp group with our with our best of friends. So I'm sure it's not that serious. Oh, but I did both. You did? I did both. Did yeah. I miss that? I think so. Sometimes I miss that. You were like, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to talk about finances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I we just, we just had some family drama that was so um, extraordinarily difficult to navigate and it is um you know with the kiddos and anxiety and stuff but um it was so imp- it's still impossible for me to get my head around what happened i'm not going to tell anyone no it's fair. it was it's fair. it was 
when me and my wife kind of discovered it, we were like, what? Like, I don't even have a, you know, there's some things that happen that I have no idea even where to begin to deal with. Like when I was a youth minister, we had a, a girl try to commit suicide. Um, I had a, a hardcore anorexic bulimic, different girl. Um, I had, uh, you know, you just have these like triggering events that there is no, like my first two months as an adult faith formation coordinator, I had a couple sit down with me and it was all about divorce or it was all about uh, adultery. And that's why they were going to get a divorce. And I'm like, uh, uh, I don't know how to talk about this. You know, I remember being on a bleachers at an, a conference and a 14 year old girl came up to me and she's like, I'm a lesbian and I hate myself and I don't know what to do with it. And I'm like, Oh my God, I just want to love everyone. <laughs> but like, you're like, I got to get on a plane in five minutes. I need you to talk to another adult that you trust. Like this is, you should not hate yourself for feeling this way, but you need to talk to an adult. Like I can't give you a cathartic experience, you know? So, um, this was one of those experiences that so rocked me and it had to do with my, my kiddos. You know who I called Luke? Hmm. I called and when I called this person, we were talking in a Walmart while I bought terrible steaks for the carnivore diet. Should never have done that. Don't buy meat from the, from a Walmart. That is not Angus. Um, steaks were so gross. Um, I, I, uh, when my wife called me, I was in the middle of a phone call with this individual and I just merged the calls without telling my wife. I just went, please hold. And I merged our calls. And then my wife heard her voice and then just started crying. Sarah Nickel, our good friend, Sarah Nickel. She was on the show a few weeks ago or a few, uh, years ago, I don't know, maybe 20 episodes ago. No, like uh, three years ago. Was it really that long? It was three. Yeah. I guarantee you it was 2017 or 2018. All right, I'm going to go look it up so I can just reference the show. But she's an angel, and I love her to death. And she talked to us for probably about an hour, and uh, it was really awesome. She's a good so person. It was, yeah. Oh, Sarah, Sarah Nichol. She's a great. I miss Sarah. Sarah Nichol. Episode 90. See? Told you. Dude, that's over May two 19, years. Over 2017. Two almost, yeah, almost three years. So, so it was Episode. 20. So, yeah, almost three years to the day. Yeah, so you go to catching. Oh yeah, you go to catchingfoxes.fm slash ninety, and you'll get my wonderful, wonderful interview or our wonderful interview. <laughs> we Yikes. see how you view this show. Whoopsie, Freudian slip. Uh, <laughs> oh, I hate you in this whole thing. Oh, <laughs> uh, you should. May nineteenth. Holy crap! You are right. It was almost a year ago. I have a really good three memory. years ago to date. You do. You do, and yet I'd never trust it. No, why? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, and then it's funny. When I typed in Sarah, episode 51 came up. Janie La- Jamie Lannister is the Michael W. Smith of Game <laughs> of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that man. is Old us. You guys are great. Yeah. You guys are great. Yeah. Oh, man. So um, it, it's been hard. It's been really hard, this particular instance. And... Um, we are in that stage. We have two weeks left of school, and it's kind of hard because some public schools are fanatical about doing the distance learning, right? Uh, you know, they give their kids multiple assignments a day. You know, they're checking in with their students, all that stuff. And then some not so much. And one neighbor in particular is a not-so-much school that's like 30 minutes away. And God bless them. But it is so hard for my kids' friends to be outside playing and my kids to not be, yeah, yeah, not be because they're doing Latin and cursive, <laughs> you know, like 
Sorry, kids. Study them Greek myths. You'll never know when your knowledge of Demosthenes will get you a bonus at work at the power plant. <laughs> at some point in time, you'll be able to um, reference it during a podcast that you're on, and you'll look smart to 30 people. Yeah. Listen, Katiri, you're white. One day you'll be in your 30s. If you don't have at least two podcasts by then, and one of them on Greek myths, you will be a disappointment for me to me forever. So how's uh, quarantine been for you? I see you shaved your head completely. On purpose? <laughs> that should tell you on purpose. He yep, said question. That mark? should tell you how the quarantine's going. I did it just to feel something. <laughs> You're like twelve monkeys, twelve <laughs> monkeys. GI <laughs> Jane, GI Jane. Now do a one arm push up. Now, Luke. <laughs> now this is going to kill what's left of Demi Moore's career. <laughs> Uh yeah no so I shaved my head um my wife likes it yeah I've had a few see the I've got these weird lines on top so it's actually yep. a horrible look if you were to see, see the actual head you go oh that's, good lord that that's exactly what I said to Shannon <laughs> I go but what about the lines in his head that look like his brain is exposed <laughs> yeah they look like grooves in Luke's brain and she said shut up he looks nice <laughs> and I said shut up he looks nice okay I'm sorry. Sorry, baby. Uh, I'm, then I was like, do you want me to shave my head? And she's like, if you do, then I'll kill you. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So, uh, no, it, I think it is kind of a good. There are some people who actually really do like it. Yeah. So Aaron was. We call those people blind. No, I'm just uh, kidding. <laughs> Aaron was out. So I like him. So I was like, you have to promise me that you won't be mad. And she goes, what? I goes, you have to promise me you will not be mad. <laughs> and she thought that I shaved my beard again because that truly does look uh, atrocious. And so I came up. <laughs> Me and you have one thing in common with George Lucas. We should our never beard have a shaved beard. Yeah, <laughs> gives our definition to our face. I just look like a balding, fat twenty-two-year-old. It's very weird. <laughs> it's very weird. I look like uh, you know the 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 cookie dough when you when it's squeezing out of a tube. When there's no beard to give me, like, hey, I guess his there's a separation between his jaw and his neck. It's like, ah, help me, help me. I'm becoming a blob. Thank you, quarantine for alcohol. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so I did that. What are you drinking right now? I'm drinking trot a uh, Trotwood Lager from Warped Wing. It is a low, it's one of those, it's like a light, it's basically the, uh, craft brews not getting into more light beers where, uh, you know, like 4%, 4% yeah. alcohol as opposed to 89. So, um, <laughs> as opposed to staining wood with my stout. Yeah. Seriously. That's what we always used to joke. It's not a real stout unless you could stain a, a you know, like a yeah. pine picnic <laughs> table. Turns out when I spilled some on my girlfriend, they removed her nail polish. and that was 2009 in a nutshell everyone no but yeah um yeah what happened to your tan honey (laughs) it's running down your face yeah is that a stout is that a russian ipa (laughs) i totally keep this away from my face oh man do you remember jersey shore nope I never watched a single so, show. I, I watched, but I watched a behind the scenes where they were tell, doing a breakdown of was it smushing? Is that what they called it? Smushing? I have no idea. What's what they're talking about? Having sense, like that's the smush room or something like that. Uh, smushing. Um, yeah. I walked in on Aaron, and she was. I was like, "Is that? Is it Snooky?" <laughs> and she goes, "Don't <laughs> judge me like like that." <laughs> <laughs> And it was uh, something like something has a I don't know something like that. She was just I think just one of those like I just need some mind numbing enter, entertainment for a bit. So no, it's it's okay. I don't know. I'm having a hard time. If to be very honest with you, just uh, 
Um, I don't really know why. Well, I, I think I'm just very anxious about the baby. I'm terrified that I'm going to be a horrible father. I'm just, like, scared of all of that. I'm nervous about this quarantine thing. Um, I'm frustrated with some stuff. I'm uh, just, like... I just, you know, it's just like there's quite, there really isn't anything quite like a quarantine to realize how much of a selfish human being you are. And it's uh, true. It's very true. It, uh, it's kind of a miserable existence. Yeah. You know, and that's something that I think, uh, you know, like we, like the Catholic Church teaches that like stuff's wrong for a reason, you know, and it's not just, um, it's not just like, oh, we don't like this group or we don't like that, so this stuff is wrong. It's like, oh, it's uh, like there's a lot of like thought that goes into it and a lot of contemplation and God revealing stuff and different things where it's like when we do bad stuff, it just makes us realize how like horrible we are. And I'm being, you know, very, very hyperbolic here and I'm being very over dramatic, but it just like um, there's just this like right now is a just a period of like of uh for us obviously with the baby coming preparation but it's like in this confined space and this confined existence so it never really ends yeah and there's this kind of like back and forth between being getting prepared for it and then but there's also like some stuff that we just like can't do yet you know can't what's one thing you wish you could do right now replace the carpets more than anything else, I want to replace the carpets in what will be the nursery, and we cannot do that. And it is okay. Why can't me you do it? Because we can't. We can't. We like we can't have the people over to install it yet. It's not legal. So, can you go to a hardware store where you live? Already done it. Yes, but I can't. Like, I, I, I'm not going to learn how to replace carpets. I don't have time. You to know do what's that. so funny is that is also a part of my family drama, uh, a thing that happened to the carpet. Is mm. part of the whole wider thing, mm-hmm. and uh, we are going. Me and my wife, we're talking about it. We are going to rip up the carping, carpeting, and install ourselves luxury vinyl plank flooring. Well, there you go. I'm terrified. I don't know how to do any of this, but we're going to try it. We are going to try it. <sighs> I'm so scared. <laughs> I'm gonna ruin it, but well, and, uh, and, yeah, and I, and, and I like we yeah. talked that we had talked about doing part of it ourselves. But why I didn't was it was like I don't want to add having to learn how to do this on top of like, hey, let's like have a child in two months. You know, I'm I'm, I'm already painting the room and stuff, and I'm already doing other things. So it just is like, your wife nesting pretty hard. Is she like, well, let's do this now. We got to do it now. There's, there's, yeah, there's definitely a bit of that there. Yeah. And it's good. Like, I mean, it, it is like now is the time to be doing all of this stuff. And it's, and it's good. I just, um, uh, yeah, man. Like, my gut instinct is to just do whatever I want to do. And yeah. uh, that's uh, not a good way to live. Sure is fun it's in the moment. It's not a bad way to live. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you just got to live your life, man. So, I mean, it is good. Like, like it is like, I don't know. It's it's weird. I go back and forth between this stuff, between like just being like yeah. everything is stupid and I quit, to um, <laughs> uh, just like you know doesn't need to be some type of a balance to just like no, it should be complete self gift all the time. I'm like, is that really possible and healthy? I don't know. What 
Okay, so here's my the only topic I was going to bring. Me and a buddy of ours, a mutual friend. Name we'll names. Call him Sh- we'll call him Shmamish Schmager. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You he called me names. up and he said, I've never been a part of one. I don't know anything about it other than what's happened for me and the complaints of other people. But we need to overhaul marriage preparation in the Catholic Church today. <laughs> and I was like, all right, let's talk about this. So we talked about it. And it was a great conversation. And I got annoyed a little bit because this is a thing that all people do, especially young people like us. Like us, We're not right? young anymore. That's another thing. We're not, Damn man. It. We're I'm not. I'm still saying it. I'm still saying it. I don't care. I did that in a, a young adult video that's going live tomorrow. I was like, young adults like us. <laughs> I got the scars to prove it. <laughs> well, if there's scars, then you're old. <laughs> if they're still bleeding, then you're young. Yeah. Um, no, the idea that he said was like, we're not equipping people for life. We're not equipping people for the actual day to day. And then he said, you know, at Second Baptist in Houston, they have a whole team of counselors who run the marriage program along, and they're all Christian counselors, so they have a good prayer life. They have a solid knowledge of the Christian faith. And then on top of that, they have this very human, you know, grace and nature kind of perspective. And he said, why don't we have anything like that Catholic Church? I said, well, we do. Here's the thing is we don't have an army of counselors that are volunteers doing pro bono at the local parish. What we do have is an apostolate who will pay Catholic counselors or work with Catholic counselors who will write a book or write a textbook or contribute chapters to a program or parts to a program. Yeah, but that's not to good make enough. Sure. And well, I mean, you say that's not good enough, but this is what I keep saying to him. I said, so you're asking for the impossible. You have this mega rich Houston church that literally has millions upon millions and doesn't have a diocese that it's paying cathedraticum to. You know, it, it's not hemorrhaging cash and all this stuff. And they're certainly not building food pantries to serve the poor. Yeah, no, We found true. out that one of our wealthiest churches in our area, we said, you know, we're getting advice from on a capital campaign. And we said, well, how do you, like, serve the poor and blah, blah, blah? And she goes, all right, off the record, we send them to you. And we're like, oh, I feel good about that, and this is exhausting. Um, but the idea is part of, like, sponsor couple. You're with a couple who's mentoring you. And many sponsor couples, when they do it right, are invited into the marriage. Like, the, the wedding, I mean. They're invited to the wedding. Like, the couples, they become a part of their lives. They can talk with them. And, and many sponsor couples will say, I get to talk with these people for months and months and months. You know, years. We become friends, but also the first year or two years of marriage, we're also still mentoring them. That's when it's ideal. When it's not ideal, it's I do the five weeks and we check out. Yeah. No, I agree. And the church preparing people for marriage in practical ways has been around for a very long time. I mean, it's it was a, like it's not the first time we've, you know, had that we've um, had this conversation. No, not us. I mean, like the yeah the uh, church, like I mean, but everyone acts like it is. I know. And for, <laughs> That's what know, I like, said to Thomas. I mean, like I go, Thomas, you have to understand the constrictions we're facing. You got people who are like, I'm getting married in eight months. I can't change the dates. The only time my mom can make it, and we never go to mass, and we're living together, and we're having sex. And you're like, That's uh, the thing. Okay. Um, there's part of me that's just like, oh, um, like I kind of wish we would just not do marriage prep for that group. This is now we don't. I will see. That's. That's the thing is we challenge people in that, and we won't. We're like, listen, you're not ready to be married in the Catholic – you're not ready to be married, and you're not really ready to have it be a sacrament. So if you go forward with this just of the peace stuff, just understand that's not marriage, marriage in the eyes of God because you're a baptized Catholic. 
But you need Wait, to Wait, I thought be that prepared. was a marriage in the eyes of God. I thought that the church acknowledged that If they that get married as... outside the church. So if if two if some if one person is a baptized Catholic and they don't do what they call canonical form, which is have a priest or deacon be a witness to the wedding or get dispensed from form, um, then it is it is a lack of form, which is the easiest annulment to do, by the way. Um so I always tell people like if you're if you're only doing this for mom and dad, that's enough to get you into the class, but not in, across the altar or in front of the altar because you you're not doing it for the right reasons in any way, shape, or form. And in fact, many couples, this is the crazy thing, and this drives me insane. Many couples will have two weddings now. They'll do the church wedding yeah, and then the real, real wedding. Real wedding, yeah. And the real wedding is on a beach somewhere, and it's like, no, 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 no. You have it the other way around. That's the fake photo op wedding. This is the real wedding. And they're like, eh, we don't really think of it that way. And I'm like, then don't. Then what are we doing? So the idea is we are there to journey with couples to have an active faith life. But I, here, I'm going to ask you the question. I'm going to put you on the spot. Knowing what you know about marriage for your rich years of experience, what do you think every 20-something, I'm going to narrow the question, 20-something, relatively Catholic, and you can define that however you want, should know before or should do or know or understand or become a part of a marriage prep program? Wait, like, like going. Like, if into... you were in charge of a marriage prep a program, oh, like, like whatever what would you I want, tell them? Yeah, sky's the limit. Yeah, whatever yeah. you want. Um, better start addressing those wounds now. Yeah, you know, I so when I was director of the the of the young adult office for the archdiocese of Cincinnati, everything I did, I did it through the lens of we were treating the walking wounded. I assumed that they were damaged in one of in one of three ways, either um, through their like you know own pornography use, through their relationships with others, to people people that they dated or whatever, or through other people's pornography use, like they were abused or they were like mis or they were mistreated by others due to. Um, you know, stop. Basically, that the culture of death, as it related unto sex, had screwed them up somehow, and they had been hurt by it somehow, some way. It had damaged them, and yeah. I think to address that head on, uh, that's probably what I would do. Because from because you can't like, and then and then from there going to because how can you really be if you're fundamentally broken i almost think it's impossible to you know commit the way that you are supposed to now it doesn't mean there is it was just kind of a i don't like putting it that way because i think it's almost impossible to i think it's impossible for everyone but by the grace of god and i yeah because then you would have someone say well then only super saints yeah, can, can ever be, have a valid yeah, marriage yeah and jd flynn said basically as much to us that one time we did the um what is Pope Francis really saying episode, which I love that show. That was and such a great so idea. That was such oh, a great idea. if only idea. we had kept it going it <laughs> during such the a great idea. <laughs> Vegano thing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, like, so one of the things that our friend Shmama Schmager said was um, he's like, I said, okay, you tell me what would be, and I was really defensive and annoyed at this point. Not really. Um, I said, you tell me what's the... What would you do? And he goes, tell them how to pray. Teach them how to pray. See, I said, okay. I don't really agree with that. I used to. Sorry. I, I just, 
interrupt. No, you. you're good. No, no, no. I want to hear your response because, because it Steve doesn't like, says like the reason why he loves Luke Carey is Luke Carey has this earthy sort of knowledge. That was that was our friend uh, Aven Ickle who said that. <laughs> Jaeger loves me because I'm his favorite. What am I trying to say here? Prayer not Sorry. being the most important. I I, I I agree with him, but there is this thing within the within our group of the church, people who you know, let's just call them yeah. the Franciscan group, where if like if we just taught people how to be a disciples, they'd be fine. And yeah. I do like we're all beyond fucked up. Like all of our, like, we're all like we're all like I'm like look at your sample group right right here. Look, look at my at head. Look at how shaved are. my head. Look at how messed up and broken we all are. And we're yeah. all for the most part missionary disciples. So you can't. Yeah. And let me tell, tell you, me that's the answer. I, let me tell you, I am so close to being a rad trad because I am looking at the period from like 1968. To 2020 and being like, they know nothing. Unless you learned on your own, these people know nothing about the Catholic faith, and they've been going to Mass for years. It is shocking. Yeah, no, it's... Anyhow, it's no, it's, I enough mean, to, it's enough to make a charismatic arrest. The most I've ever learned about the church was when I had to... Uh, I, was, I was like a substitute at the school, and, had, and they taught the Baltimore um, catechism. I was like, this is great! <laughs> it really is. It really. I used to be like, oh, you just memorize answers. I teach it to my kids every night. Like, I love it. Yeah. I love so, it. No, and I, so I'm not, uh, obviously, a prayer life is important. Yeah. People can't see you on the podcast. <laughs> oh, that's right. I was pretending to lick my finger and read the pages and oh. shit. Pretending to lick your finger, huh? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look at my finger. What am I doing now? Oh, I'm off camera. You can't. Any that's awful. <laughs> that's, I didn't mean that. <laughs> at all. Not wearing pants because this is a Zoom call. Go on, um, Luke. No, but like so. Okay, prayer life is important. We've talked about that a thousand times on on this show. <laughs> we finally got to the prayer life yeah. comment. But you're right. I think people from <laughs> our tendency. You, you said all right, Luke, and I started to go, and then you cut me off. <laughs> You cut me off with a joke and then started to make your own point. <laughs> That's classic catching foxes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Catchingfoxes.fm. <laughs> Patreon.com slash CF. Oh, that's wonderful. No, but my, uh, sorry. <laughs> no, Luke, please talk. I'll drink this Topo Chico to prove that I won't interrupt you. Mm. <laughs> Sweet Mexican mineral water. <laughs> I'm Miguel. Um, so, Luke, the point no, you're making is, is that um, <laughs> stop trying to make me laugh. Um, is that like if we just like okay, the split between grace and nature, right? If yes. we just pay, if we can't isolate these things and say, oh, all that you're yeah. missing is like the grace part. So let's just yeah. focus on that. Like how many in, in my buddy's defense? I, I, in, in I, I know the yeah. defense. He was actually he was spending more on the human part, but he said one of the frustrating things is people who don't know how to pray were never taught how to pray, let alone how to pray as a couple. And that's yeah, no, huge. And, 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 and I think but, so. I just want to say okay, that, like, okay, that's, no, but you're right. I'm like, and like, I'm no yanker. I probably I should have assumed that, uh, but it, it um, I think that's like it's it's part of it. Right, which is you have to go into this, um, like, you can't um, separate these two things. Your, like, the pains or, like, these wounds I have and then this commitment that that I am expected to make. Like, it all goes together. Like, your prayer life, um, the healing that God wants to do in, in your life, which can take years, years and years and years, if ever. 
and uh, if you know, or sorry, uh, probably a, a better way to put it would be: it could not be until the the next life that you full, that you are truly healed of all this stuff. Yeah, and it's just like how many people do we know? And I will, and I will, I will in. Include myself in this. Were your rock star Steubenville people who went and had sex before marriage? I like, would not. I would not ever include you as a rock star Steubenville <laughs> person. You were like the opening band for the rock star <laughs> at most. You were the one. You had fifteen minutes. All right, we have headlining tonight. We got Gomer, and opening up, we got Cellophane, starring Luke Carey. <laughs> cellophane. What the hell is no, that? No. Oh, didn't they have that one hit in '99? Yeah, and they're gonna play it three times tonight. <laughs> If you could see the way she loved me, maybe you would understand. What's a, who is that? Well, who is that? I feel this way about. I don't. I have no. My love. What I would do. I don't I have no clue. <laughs> if you could, could only see how good her eyes can be when she says when she says she loves me. Okay. No. So, anyways, um, like you have like um this. It really needs to be this all-encompassing thing. Because, like, I think where the church went too hard was in the 90s and the early aughts, it was very much like, here's how to budget. And, like, they were trying to get too – like, they went on to to the practical side, and they basically ignored the grace side. And you have to combine them both in a very integral way. Okay, so when they started offering pre-Cana classes, one of the big things, like, what are the two most divisive things that happen in a marriage? Number one is over, or like, what causes divorce? A breakdown of communication and a lack of finances, or a, a mutual understanding of finances. So people start using money as proxy battles for values. And so... The church thought, I mean, not the church, people who created programs within the church thought, okay, we can better form couples for marriage if we give them an understanding of finances. Now, I don't know, Luke, have you ever heard of Yours, Mine, Ours? You ever heard of that? Uh, Yeah, but it's been a while. So there are different ways of budgeting. Most people who are in their 20s and 30s do not budget at all. They don't know how much money they have total coming in a year, a month, maybe a week they do. And they don't know how much is going out, which is the more important of the two equations. And so... um. People who do budget, part of the culture of cohabitation has created this thing of what I would only say is a fear-based accounting system, which is you have yours, I have mine, and then we have ours. So we have shared expenses, but then I make my own money because I'm an independent woman, and Luke, you make your own money because you're a quasi-independent man, and you get to keep you get to keep like 80% of your money, and I get to keep 80% of my money. But we take those 20s and we throw it together in a mutual account that we both withdraw from to pay the bills. And so I know, like, one of my favorite podcasters, I was shocked. Both, okay, both of these guys are married, and they still do yours and mine hours. And they alternate which month the person is going to pay the rent. And I'm like, what do you mean? Your finances are your finances. It's ours. But they don't do that. They do they do yours and mine, and then they alternate who's going to pay for the bills every month. And I, I, I'm just, like, shocked at that because there's this part of – it's like you're, you're creating a way out for yourselves. Now, I understand there might be extenuating circumstances why someone want, might want to, my, uh, want to have – sorry, these trulies are really getting to me. What? <laughs> um, they might want to – Truly, madly, deeply. Mine, ours. Yeah, exactly. But then – 
you start to see these things. So, like, you have couples. I mean, the vast majority of 20-year-old, 20-somethings have never made a budget. The vast majority. Not all of them, but the vast majority. So part of our prereq, we would, we would pay, like, I want to say we would pay, like, maybe 25% if they would go to our fin- Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University class. As uh, in, I think maybe it was, like, up to their first year of marriage, we would pay for 25%. Um, of, but wait, the idea of, of, was... Of their what? Of the cost of FPU, which is like oh okay okay, so you get the textbooks, you get the course materials, you do all this stuff, and so it it just you start to see the same patterns, and it's funny because I was listening to this one guy who was a, a pastor and a marriage counselor, and he just said, really people get divorced for like five or six reasons. It's the same things over and over again. And the problem is, as a pastor, you find out in the first like two minutes what the problem is, and you actually have to shut up and listen for 60 minutes to not seem like a jerk, and then you're like, okay, now this is what your problem is, this is what your problem is. If you just do this, everything will be fine. You're not going to do it, therefore I'll see you next week. Um, but like one of the things that we were talking about was incorporating Letzio Divina, like teaching them how to pray, teaching them how to pray with each other, but teaching them how to have their own prayer life. Mm-hmm. And how to share it. And so I, I immediately, so I talked with him from 8 in the morning till 10 in the morning. And then I had a call with a couple at 11 for marriage preparation. They were uh, convalidating their marriage. And I just asked him, I said, how often do you pray as a couple? Seriously. And they were like, uh, like twice in our marriage. I go, okay, it's totally fine. Don't feel guilty about that. When's the best time to plant an oak tree? 25 years ago. When's the second best time today? I said, so this is what you do. You look, you take her hands, you look into her eyes, and you say, uh, Heavenly Father, this is awkward. I love her. Bless her. Amen. That's it. Like, just get the habit uh, rolling. And it was really important because people need to see, like, my wife's prayer time is my responsibility to guard it, if, especially if you have kids. And my prayer time is my wife's responsibility to guard it, especially if you have kids. And then when you come together, like, you have your own individual prayer time, but then you need to unite the clan. So me and my wife do morning prayer. You know, it's not always perfect. It's not all the time. But I find that couples have been married for 20 years. They go to Mass. They even pray with their kids, but they've never never once prayed as a couple. And so that's, like, habits that I'm trying to get. So we do Letzio Divina. We teach them how to do Letzio Divina, and we ask them to do that over the readings they select for their wedding. Right and things like that. We try to get rid of all the red tape so that people don't feel like there's hoops, but they actually get value out of it. But I don't know. So I'm looking, uh, Jonathan Alexander. Let's. No see one cares, here. Jonathan. It's so true. It's so true. John Nielsen says, "Tongue and groove, baby." Talking about the flooring. I don't know what what, what would you do? John was saying, "Yes, marriage prep is another stopgap that we have as a church." But it's so tough to ever get it where it needs to be. I agree. And it's, I mean, you're also fighting like a losing battle here because you have tons of people who are coming in who just don't believe and shouldn't be there in the first place. So it's so hard. It's just, that's why I love one of my deacons who says, if you don't, he's like, how's your faith life? And they're like, uh, we don't really go to church, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, great. You're not going to get married in the Catholic church because that means you're just doing this to be nice to your parents and not for Jesus. But it's 12 months until you get married. So I'm willing to work with you. But I'm going to ask you the same question every week. And I'm going to come with you to Mass if you want. I'm here to help you in any way, shape, or form. And he does. And they go to Mass. Can I tell you a cool story real quick? He said um, He said to this woman, he said. <laughs> I guess the answer yeah, is yes. I, I didn't even look at the screen. I didn't even look to see if you shake your head. I love this story. I have to share this story. He said. So I'm getting his info because he gives the best marriage prep. And he said. 
Uh, one time I was talking with this woman, and one of the questions I asked is, are both your families fully on board with your marriage? And he said, if they're not, that's a red flag that we need to address in marriage prep. And Luke is ignoring me, I, and he's going on I Facebook. See you doing the same thing. Face lights up. <laughs> False. Um, no. So the guy, he goes, and he says, um, and, or the, the, the bride-to-be says, actually, no, my father abandoned us when I was young. And he's like, oh, my goodness. And so she tells, like, yeah, he just he literally went out and, like, for cigarettes and never came back, right? She goes, he lives in San Antonio, and I've never seen him. We haven't talked to him. And the deacon says, all right, I want you to drive to San Antonio and get his blessing. And she's like, what? I haven't talked to him in, like, 20 years. And he's like, I know. I'm not requiring it, but I really want you to drive to San Antonio with your fiancé and get his blessing. He goes, are you going to have him in the wedding? And she's like, no, absolutely not. He hasn't, he's not invited at all. And he goes, okay, just go there. He goes, because here's the deal. If he is not an evil person, he has been living with intense regret and guilt the last you know, 17, 20 years. And you going there and asking for his blessing will be an opportunity for him to be reconciled. And you might not want that, but Jesus probably wants that. So just try it out. So they do. They go out there that weekend, and then the deacon's on the phone with me, and he starts crying, telling me the story. And he goes, and wouldn't you know it, he walked her down the aisle, reconciled, fully apologized to his ex-wife, his adult children, called every one of them individually. He's like, that's what it took. And he's crying, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like taking notes on my keyboard in my office, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm crying. And uh, and it was awesome. And he takes the perspective. He always says, I guarantee every marriage. Like, what does that mean? How do you guarantee every marriage? He goes, because the moment they start having real serious problems, I say, call me day or night, and we can talk for free. And I won't charge you a penny, and we can talk it through. And I was like, oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, that's that's actually – I think, too, what I would add – and I think this is an example. that What you just spoke of is, is, is an example of this. Just the power of community and being tapped into that. Um, you know, like uh, if you have a couple who's in, who's into their faith and perhaps let's say they just moved to the area or, or something, but they're not involved in a community, I would almost say you really need to change that. Because, um, you know, I just think of so much, like, I can talk to you about anything about this stuff. You know, I can talk to, I can talk to our friends here. I can talk to my buddy. Um, I can talk to my buddy Brad about it. I can talk to Barnes about it. I can talk to. We get it. You have friends. Ugh. <laughs> it's not my fault that I'm well-loved. Um, like well-loved, like a, like a worn mitt. Like a worn catcher's mitt. <laughs> <laughs> With a leathery head. Uh oh man! So Christina just told me that now her boyfriend wants to try the shaved head thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was inspired by Luke to grow an afro. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes! Bruh, Jonathan Alexander says prayer is a good start. Open conversation and brutal authenticity is also needed. Have you found that you and your wife have a have ever had a brutally honest and good conversation, Luke? Oh yeah, tons. Tons, because I'm me, and I have to have that, or I'm bored. <laughs> hey, I'm going to go poke the bear just because I'm bored. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually believe that. Uh, yikes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm, uh, we got to go deep. 
No, I think it's. I think so it's, I think that's a good point. And just, you know, and being willing to like probably half of me and Aaron's um, fights are really resolved by us saying, "Here's what's act, 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 act." Yeah, Luke. Number one, it just repeated the word "act" over and over again, and I was like, "What happened to Luke?" <laughs> Your whole system got screwed up. <laughs> Okay. Hey, Luke, Luke, real quick, before you go off on the soccer thing, are you interested in any future plans for Star Wars shows or movies? My nope, answer, don't give a nope. shit. Uh, except for Mandalorian yeah, season yeah, two. Me, yeah, I'm excited about that. That's but even the only that, I'm, like, I'm not whatever. excited. I'll watch it. I will 100% watch it. Um, episode, you know, the, the new sequels, I don't give a crap about. My family just watched the prequels last week. Oh, no, no, no. The prequel, uh, the regular movies this week, the prequels last week, and we're going to watch the current movies this next week. And um, nope, uh, I have like Force Awakens. You know, we skipped Solo out of the whole, you know, boom, 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 because it's so terrible. I saw it in the theater. It's just so terrible. I have no desire to see that movie. I like Rogue One. It's it's very formulaic. It's uh, you don't care. You don't even know the the name of the characters. Um. But it's it's a it's a good paced action adventure. And I think I it also has a bit of the spiritual element which you like in your Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. The, you being the like a general, side. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. yeah so that's I it. um I just I don't care that Takita Oatita is going to direct one. I just don't care anymore. Yeah. All right. So I'm going off the man. marriage prep stuff, Luke. In the Catholic family, both your families. How can you strive to support and promote or deepen the faith of your family? Or support them. What do you and your wife do spiritually together? Uh, we pray. We typically try to pray together. We don't do it as much as we should or as often as we should. But uh, we pray. Do you do it once a week? Yeah. Outside of Mass? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, especially now. Uh, we've yeah. been doing, um, we did Alexio, and we've done, like, Office of Readings and stuff. We pray over each other sometimes, or we'll pray together for specific intentions, yeah. to different things like that. And that's been good. Okay. Okay. Do you think Catholics maybe shouldn't go to mass when their churches open back up? Uh even if if it's still commuted like with the covid stuff. Like in Texas I mean, you don't I'll have just to be go honest, to mass. we probably won't because if Aaron gets covid on 19, like she can't uh, see the baby. You know, so I'm not going to risk that's just like I know I, I don't know, this could be I, wrong. We had me, a but... catching foxes listener who called me up his kid was in the NICU. His wife was alone up there, and he was in the basement of the parking lot, parking garage, and he couldn't go and see either of them because yeah. of COVID. And he goes, uh, what do I do? Can I baptize my baby? I was like, listen, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but if that were me, I would baptize my own baby. He goes, I'm texting my wife now. And I was like, awesome. But I, because yeah. the parish priest couldn't go and wouldn't go. And so you have yeah. issues like that. So, yeah. um, so like I just for me right now, and Aaron just trying to make sure she doesn't that she doesn't get it. Um, I'm just if mass, I'm just not going to uh, going to a going to a mass that I am not obliged to go to is not as important to me as that. Yeah. Oh, totally. Uh, Luke, um, Emily actually is writing, but I want to refer to an earlier question that she wrote. Have you seen did you cancel your subscription to Disney Plus? Yes. Okay, damn. They did a Disney Gallery The Mandalorian which does 
interviews and behind the scenes with directors and producers. Oh, that's cool. She wrote to us saying that on episode two, David Filoni gives mm-hmm. an incredibly moving breakdown of one of the central themes of Star Wars. Um, he did. Uh, he worked on a couple episodes of The Mandalorian and worked with George Lucas on the Clone Wars series. Clone Wars, yeah, 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 yeah. He said it's essentially about family relationships, the importance of fatherhood, and he draws a connection between the key moment in Phantom of the Menace all the way to the throne room scene in The Return of the Jedi. So she has a cool document that she's breaking down. So, um, hey, Emily, send that document to us. That's it. She's awesome, a, yeah. She's a Patreon supporter. She has a whole thing. She has a... There's a book and movie club at our parish called God and Geek, which is awesome. That's that is not wonderful. a working title. That is incredible. And, yes, we are all interested. And maybe, Emily, we should have you on to talk about it. That would be awesome. Yeah. That'd be great. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, my family, I've received the Holy Eucharist twice um, because we have to work the masses. Because in Texas, Texas is a lot like Georgia. We're just doing everything now and damn, full, damn the... Raptors, full speed ahead, whatever the phrase is. And we have our, so we allow 25% capacity, which is 350 people max. And we haven't had a single, this is the thing that shocks us. We haven't had a single um, 350 feet, uh, feet seat maximum yet. And yet we would receive all these emails and we just assumed, and I was saying this, we just assumed that all the people wanted to go to Bass. Now this is all overreaction stuff from you know the media and yet once we offer the mass not a single mass is full now there are some some for the most part are trending upward and we have daily mass we have confession everyone's socially distant we have ushers that are the parish staff that are seating people from front to back section by section so that everyone can be spread out but there uh, my family has not received holy communion once i i don't want them to go I don't want them to go and jeopardize their precious little health, you know. So I and and here's the deal: you have some people who are who are receiving one news source, and they're fanatical that this is borderline hoaxed. And my boss said, or one of my uh, coworkers said today, uh, the people who think this COVID nineteen is all a hoax, get them to be the ushers so we can take a break. And I was like, yeah, they believe it's fake. Let's bring them in. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, the obligation is dispensed, so you don't have to feel guilt-ridden. I really hope. Oh yeah, really hope people don't. No, I have no guilt at all. <laughs> um, I miss it though. I really miss it. I really, really, really miss it, and I cannot wait to be able to go back and for everything to be normal again. I genuinely miss mass. I was even um, moved by the "Be Not Afraid" video. Oh gosh, are you serious, Luke? Not me really. and you should do a video. Peace is flowing like a a river. river. All the white people start to clap (laughs) on the three and ones. Two and four, whichever one they're not supposed to do. Yeah. Oh, man. Gather us in. Oh, Jonathan Alexander wrote, sounds like my dad, except I never found him. Oh, Oh, Jonathan. Oh. Oh. Hopefully he didn't want that to publicize to thousands of people. All right. Well, uh, then he shouldn't have written it on our live comments to our video. Now our podcasting is just you just commenting on what people are are saying. Focus. I'm bringing him into the conversation. He's putting, uh, Jason's putting all of them in, into the chat. This is oh. just you commenting on what people are saying. Yeah, what's wrong with that? <laughs> That's boring as hell. <laughs> You're boring as hell. Why is fire so good, Gomer? Uh, uh, no one cares. Moving uh, on. Shit. 
Luke asked me the, the first question. Luke won't even let me answer. That's why we don't like Luke, folks. Team Gomer. Shit. Hey, if you're against Luke and you're on Team Gomer, will you just go over to Patreon.com and donate $5.55? <laughs> that way I can collect all those donations. They'll stand out to me, and I won't let Luke have any of it. Why are you saying shit? What happened to your setup? Oh, I dropped my focus right. Yeah, the, the box that connects you to the internet. Now, why uh, is fire so good? Let me. I'll just summarize why fire is so good. It's very easy. Zoning okay. out. There's one person in my life that I love who will remain nameless. Who me. cannot control his spending. Me. He, <laughs> he spends thousands of dollars on furniture because, don't worry, it's 28 months of no interest financing. And then 28 months comes and goes, and he's buying new furniture because his dog shredded the old furniture, and he needs something new to sit on. But he never finished paying it. So 18 months worth of interest has been accruing, and it all comes due on that 28th month. Right, 18 months, 28 months. And he is getting hammered with my left and right. He has the most expensive cable package. He pays. I've never met a person who pays $250 for cable. He has a healthcare health club membership at uh, not Lifetime. The maybe it's Lifetime. It's like the super classy healthcare thing or health club in the Houston area. He literally scrimmages with Houston Rockets on their basketball courts. Right, awesome. Okay, he goes to the gym like once a month, and he spends like three or four hundred dollars a month on. Now, this is not a rich person. This is the spending habits of a rich person. He is not rich. I've given him Dave Ramsey stuff. Oh, that's what I need. Another lecture. Okay. Didn't work. I gave him a simple path to wealth. He read it cover to cover three times and has read every blog there is on fire. And he looked at me and the other day I was talking to him and he goes, what is that? Is that a brand new iPhone? I was like, no, no, no. I just got my wife the iPhone SE, the cheapest iPhone they make brand new. Uh, it's more powerful than every iPhone and every Android phone on the marketplace, and yet it's a $400 phone. And he goes, nice. I'm going to try to hold on to this phone as long as I can because I'm going to you know, some podunk little local wireless company. And he goes, I am fanatically saving money. Because of fire, this individual who has never had a financial brain in his body has thrown himself because it's very, very simple. If you decrease your spending and increase your frugality and increase savings and investment, you'll do okay. This person never had an incentive to knock off the absurd spending habits, but fire articulated a system that he otherwise never would have had. That's why I love fire. Huh? We'll just wait till Luke. Uh... <laughs> Luke. What? I'm listening. All right. Apparently, there are some bishops restricting communion in the hand. This has gotten some backlash. Your thoughts, Luke? Um, I, I, I don't know. Don't be an asshole. So the question is not about being an asshole. I received communion <laughs> in the hand twice the last two times. I despise receiving Holy Communion in the hand. Now, because I realized how it happened in the Catholic Church, and it was, like, devious. 
It was devious the way communion in the hand became the norm. It was 100% forbidden and never happened since like the third century. And then in the 19, in 1968, Pope Paul VI, or it was 1966 maybe, Pope Paul VI found out people receiving communion in the hand. He'd never heard of it. So he sends out this survey to his bishops. What is this? Like, why are people receiving the hand? Should the faithful be allowed? National or international survey, all the bishops in the Roman Catholic Church, like 96% said, no, never should the faithful receive communion in the hand. Except for the Netherlands bishops. They're jerks. And they said, yes, we should do it under certain circumstances. Lock it down. So then they sent out another survey about two years later, and they said, yeah, a little bit more, but almost no one else. And then they did it, and guess what happened? The, they made an exception. Okay, well, in certain circumstances, it makes sense to receive it on the hand. And then literally people were being told it's a mortal sin if you receive it on the tongue. Overnight. Oh, jeez. In America, almost overnight. And so that spread. That If you were to say, if you were to go to the average Catholic parish in America, would you say on the hand or on the tongue is the norm? Oh, it's a hand by far. And that is the most extreme exception, only in limited circumstances. This what is are, the thing what that are those circumstances? I mean, it's like it's like okay. For instance, I have a legally blind deacon that when I accidentally once went to him for Holy Communion, he was knuckles deep into my mouth. <laughs> I should have should have realized that. Uh, you know, it's things like that, right? That you can receive. Um, Would but, this be one of those circumstances? So that was the big question that was raised because in the in the Code of Canon Law and in the general instruction, the universal norm, which means essentially law, it's almost the same thing, is you have to receive on the tongue. There's exceptions where you can receive on the t- on the hand, and as long as you do so reverently, blah blah blah. But uh, so the idea is, no bishop can say you must only receive on the hand, and certain bishops have. So Canon Law Made Easy blog did this whole breakdown and said under no I saw part of it. Huh? Yeah, under no circumstances can they do it. And they quoted a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, there goes my lights. It's it 10, 10 o'clock. o'clock. Turn on my office lights. Okay. The office light is on. There it is. I should just change that. Uh, <laughs> happens every day on Monday. Um and so, but the OSV, our Sunday visitor, just wrote a rejoinder to that. A local uh, or a Catholic priest and canonist said, no, the church in extenuating circumstances, like St. Saint, Saint Thomas Aquinas says, you know, the norm is the gates are to be locked at 7. Someone's being attacked outside the gates at 7.30. You open the gates. You break the law to, to save the greater law kind of thing. And so it's like, for the sake of the common good, that's what you do. So that's the general argument of saying, like, for the sake of the... But the problem is, the argument that wasn't addressed in, in the Canon Law Made Easy blog, which is a blog I've gone to tons of times, um, is the simple fact that SARS and MERS were... It hasn't affected us. That's why we're fussy. SARS, Saudi Arabian... Is it Saudi Arabian or is it South Asian? You know, respiratory syndrome. I think it's and, South Asia, or or is it? Um, well, Middle East South MERS African. is Middle Eastern respiratory. Yeah. No, it's yeah. yeah it, one is South Asian, and, but anywho, they, they swept from basically the Middle East over to Korea, and so there are millions of Catholics in that area, and so the question was asked: Can we make it mandatory to receive on the tongue during these times? And the Vatican said, No, you can't make it mandatory. You can encourage it because the problem is. 
more people, and priests have said this out the wazoo. Some people disagree, and I'm fine with their disagreement. If you receive on the tongue, standing, they might touch your tongue. If you receive on the hand, standing, they're probably actually going to touch your hand. Because more people, because people don't do the hand thing right. The other thing is, if people are kneeling, receiving on the tongue, you don't ever, you don't have to touch it. You you can because you drop it in essentially. Drop it in, yeah. yeah. But the 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 thing that our buddy David Huss, Father David Huss, was making was when you drop the host into someone's hand, crumbs fall off, and you're responsible for those crumbs. So I received on my hand Sunday. I walked back, and there was a crumb right in the middle of my palm. So I licked my hand sanitizer hand. And I was just like, okay, I just did that. <laughs> That's the thing. But also people's hands are super dirty. They're the dirtiest part of the bo- or the most germy part of the body in terms of transmission. So that's elements of where people need to um uh p- people need to address this stuff. And now and I said to Father David, I said, "Well, but people can wash their hands. They can't wash their tongue." And he goes, "No, and that is uh, you know, that's that's a that's an argument against it." So what are your thoughts? I don't know. Hey, I really a, don't. I, I really don't. I, I yeah. just like. I, I wish people weren't dicks. Yeah, like on both sides like, of this. I really, yeah. really wish they weren't dicks. <laughs> so that's where I'm at with it. Yeah. So am I a dick for wanting it? Wait, that sounds awful. What? Am I a dick for? <laughs> am I a dick to want to receive it on my hand? I, I don't or no, on my tongue. I don't. Think I want so. to receive like, it on my tongue, but I want to like, receive it on my tongue on my knees. So I don't really care. Like, I'll, yeah, I'll like I, I like. <laughs> what I care more about is just that we're just charitable. Yeah. You know, and I just, I'm just, I'm so disgusted with American <laughs> Catholicism now. Like, if I wasn't for this podcast, I'd just be, a, I'd like go to my parish and I'd help out Glenn Mary and I'd be done. Like, I'm just like so annoyed with everyone and everything. Hey, my favorite Phil just wrote, hear me out, Eucharist funnel. <laughs> There used to be a thing with like um like during the plague and stuff they would like, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But this like is the thing, like they... whenever I see that that like six foot long stick giving people holy communion, it's like an elongated patent. I just think like they didn't know what germs were and now the patent is covered in germs. 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 I know, like, I know, I know. Oh, I love I it. Oh it's I just so funny. like I don't know, man. This has not brought out the best. It has brought out the best and the worst of U.S. Catholicism. It really has. It really like, has. I just am so um, just disheartened. Yeah. If, if I'm being honest. Just because, like, all, like, the fighting and the petitions and the everything, just everything. I'm just like, I, I just, no one gives a shit about the common good. Everyone just cares about their own agenda. And like I'm just like I, I'm just so like it's it's that way I will, with I will American never politics. Forget. Yeah, I'll never forget when Hillary Clinton in 2008 and when she was running for president against Obama, she made the comment about the common good and I heard a Catholic say, like a, a Catholic who should know better make a comment about common good sounds like communism. I was like, you have literally never read St. Thomas Aquinas. Just look at Questio number 92 of the Prima Secundae. And just start yeah, from duh. there. Duh. That's all about the natural law and the common good and uh, political authority. Like, it's all about the common good once you get into politics. It's not about the individual good when you get into the political virtues. I mean, it's still about the individual, the dignity of the human No, person, but, but even the Founding Fathers talked about the common good. Yeah, but so the Founding people... Fathers are heathen. 
<laughs> yeah, all of them but John Adams. He wasn't a heathen. He was a good man. <laughs> I loved he was. him. I loved him. We were best I friends. I love John Adams. I love John Adams. Listen, Ben Franklin, he loved French whores. Uh, hey, is it true? So here's the funny thing about Ben Franklin. He wrote a lot of his virtues, V-E-R, back in the olden days. Um, he wrote a lot, like the Book of Virtues, and he was a utilitarian. And when he writes it, he talks about, like, the exam. He basically had, like, an Ignatian, uh, his version of an Ignatian examine at the end of the day, all this stuff. And one of the things that he wrote is, I'm going to paraphrase, but, like, the sexual capacity is not for vainery or whatever. Or vainery is not for pleasurable use. And the idea was, like, sex is for babies, for making babies, not for just pleasure. But then when he became the ambassador to France. Gimme, gimme, gimme. <laughs> and that was when he was, like, super old. But I read somewhere, and tell me if this is true, that, like, noblemen in France or just well-to-do, maybe this is the rich, were, like, honored to have them sleep with his wife, their wives. Is that a thing you've heard? Um, maybe, maybe. That feels like something. I feel like I've read that before. That's so weird. I feel like I've read that before. Yeah, like we, we like we like to act like we're sexual like, liberating um right now. Like, sorry, that sounded weird. That we are like I, we, I like uh, to think about that right now with you. Yes, like we people always talk about how like you know this is the most free people have ever been when it comes when it comes. Out of sex, like I'll con freaking Trayer. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, pick up, a, like, read about Alexander the Great's mom. Why? What was, what was she like? Uh, she was basically in like a sex cult religion and just got around and around and around and around. Like, it around, 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 and around. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it just, like, it's such a, um, it's actually the church that like brings about order. Like basically, there were just like tons of orgies and sex stuff everywhere all the time, and um, it's the church that kind of brings order out of out of all that stuff. And I don't I don't mean it in in a puritanical sense, right? I just uh, I just mean in sense of it not being horribly selfish. Um, and then it's you know your weird your weird like your weird Protestant Puritan stuff is where it gets like you know kind of like the whole. That's where like the American, um, like the American version of it that we think. But like back in like the you know eighteen hundreds, they'd have these like basically bonfire parties over the summer, and it like would always get debaucherous. Like, yeah, it's always, always like, a bacchanal. It's, in the end, yeah, it's like, a bacchanal. It just like listen. If there's one thing about human beings that have been constant through through the ages, we're horny. We're a horny bunch. We're a horny, horny bunch of bunch of people. How do you and support so, your extroverted friends? Let me keep sh- talking about the horniness of the people. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about whores coming in, doing their tricks, shaking their little thing. <laughs> how do you support? How do you support your extroverted friends during this time of COVID? Oh, just call them and talk with them because they are dying inside. They are dying. How's your introverted time been going? Oh, horrible. I hate myself. <laughs> okay, well, let me follow up question right on that. Is Batman a superhero? Is no. he a superhero? Yes, he is. He is. I just I'm I'm so man, I, this could just be everything is just horrible um right now. So my attitude towards everything is that like it's all awful. I just I'm I am superheroed out, I think. 
I think I've hit that point where I'm, it's all just like derp, 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 derp. I tried to – you remember my whole MCU thing? I was all excited about it. It was fun. A great way to watch the MCU. A great idea. I, I stand behind that. I got as far as Avengers. I was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I just can't. You need to have – number one, if you're going to do Luke's master, master – It's a 35-point way to watch the MCU, and it's awesome. Master plan logistical – uh, it is a, soul it's crushing. A, it's not that difficult. You it's very to easy to do. All the you need to have all the MCU broken down into large chunks. You need Disney and Plus and online. You're fine. You need to have so someone. You need do Disney it for Plus. You. you need Disney Plus. It's you fine YouTube. with Disney. You Plus. need YouTube and uh, <laughs> no. It's fine with Disney Plus. It's fine. It's yeah. very cool. It's it's actually you really by the time you get to Iron Man, even Aaron unmade this comment. You really feel like you're in this expanded world. Like you feel like you feel you feel the weight of all of it. Yeah. Uh, how do you think the pandemic will affect pop culture? Nine Eleven seemed to usher in a decade of apocalyptic and dark and gritty films on TV. I mean, think um, about Hunger Games. And, yeah, uh, that you know, was already the- kind of a thing before, but I think it put it into overdrive uh, af- after that. What's, uh, the the zombie television show, Game of Thrones, the Walking even? Dead. Yeah, Walking Dead. Well, but I think you have, you kind of have, like, you had that in the 90s. You had a lot of uh, um, apocalyptic stuff. Uh, Think Deep Impact, Armageddon, (laughs) Independence Day, (laughs) Volcano, Dante's Peak. Need I go on? Yeah, please do. Do. But... It had like it's like a nineties kind of like isn't this fun yeah. kind of tone to it. We'll solve this I- problem of a of a meteorite <laughs> hitting Earth. Pierce Brosnan, everyone, he'll solve this volcano. <laughs> Remember when the couple making out got boiled alive? Yeah, that's what happens to these sinners. <laughs> I saw Dante's Peak with my grandparents because they had this awesome thing where every time it was uh, it was our uh, birthday, we would be able to spend the night with them. You go out to dinner and go see a movie. We go to we would go to a place like the Olive Garden. Very exciting. <laughs> and so, when you're here, your family. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I always wanted to go see a movie. We went and saw Dante's Peak. I saw my first um, rated art film was with my grandfather. We went and saw uh, Crimson Tide. Crimson Tide. I think it was called that. It's it was the um, is that, uh, is that a these, submarine movie? Yes, with Denzel on Washington and Gene Hackman. Yeah, yeah. My first rated R film. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, all right. Sorry, what was my point? Um, the film was scored by Hans Zimmer, who won a Grammy for the main theme. Nice. Yeah, it was. I remember being being. And an interesting. I didn't really get it like a lot. I mean, I like the theme. It was it was one of those kind of nuance, not uh, not a, a nuance thing. I was a little bit too young to really like understand and uh, like how could people who are like on the who are on the quote unquote good side go bad, you know, or how to make like 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 how to make the hard call. I was a little bit too young to really understand that, but. Um, Shit. Okay, so, anyways, in the nineties, it's it's all like cool and fun. After nine eleven, it becomes dark. Yeah, like I, I you know, because you still had a lot of apocalyptic stuff before that. I just think the tone of it, it's, tone of it changed a bit. But it took a while to do that because there really wasn't anything dark until what, like, 
really was when your anti-hero stuff starts coming out, like after around, what, 2007, 2008 is when Mad Men comes out? I always trace the origin of widespread pop culture anti-heroes to the movie Payback with Mel Gibson. Do you remember that movie? Yeah, but I don't think it goes to that. I think it's it's because all, like literally on the movie poster, I just brought it up, it says, get ready to root for the bad guy. Because the whole thing about his character is he's not as bad as the guys he's going after. And so you don't care that he kills people. But you know what? You don't care that he doesn't care that he kills people. Like, he's not. it's not a quest for justice. It's, it's barely even revenge. He's just a bad guy. You know? And I remember when I was a little kid. And there's, you know, obviously very impressionable Ute. But, um... I was 17 years old, and I remember when all the previews were coming out for that, and I was like, well, this is weird. And it was even filmed, like, that was that new style where it was like, I shouldn't say new style, but it was um, a, 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 that blue tint that's on, you know, certain movies. that They became popular after that. That was a, around that time, yeah. yeah. With, but that, I don't know. I, I mean, I see, I, I understand what you're saying but i don't think that was what did it for hollywood yeah. or anything mel gibson like, said it, it would have been ideal to shoot the movie in black and white um and so they used a bleach bypass process to tint the whole film I thought that yeah. was awesome. okay you, you could even go i mean there's a lot of that in the 1970s with things yeah. like the godfather and mean streets and you even say then you have goodfellas um yeah, but like, like I would in say, the seventies, things know, were really I mean, I get it. like I get it. It, there were a lot of anti-hero stuff in the seventies. There was a gritty time in movies, and then Star Wars, like it, like they do an abrupt right turn when Star Wars comes out. But before that, in Jaws, it's all stuff like The Godfather, and like it's just. I mean, if you see um, if you see one of Martin Scorsese's early films, it's um, uh, called Mean Mean Streets. It is dark. It's a dark movie. And um, both in tone and the way it looks, it's just dark. I mean, as is The Godfather. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, I'm. It's going to be interesting to see like how people just, you know, like what, uh, how they reflect on this time, or like how, how this, how this changes stuff. Man, this sucks. No, it's going to be awesome, Luke. Last question: How does the domestic church? What does the domestic church look like when you are single and live alone? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think community is very, very important. So, like, having friends over at, like, you need to have people over at your house. What do you mean? Can you have people over at your house? Or are people going to, are you going to, is that illegal? Is that social distancing? Oh, oh, do you mean, like, right, right, like, right now? Oh, gosh, I don't know. That'd be so hard. I honestly think, like, if I don't think, if it were me, I would probably be having a lot of people over. No, no, sorry, that sounds weird. I would have. I would have a like bacchanal. <laughs> no, but I would have if like. I if, wasn't okay, married. Let's, let's pretend I was. I was in my house right now. I probably just be very lazy. But in re, but if I was trying, I would probably just have like a couple of friends at a time hanging out in my driveway or something, like staying apart. But I I would have I would have to be around people at least once a day. Because you're you're not even going into work anymore, huh? No, I haven't been. I've been to work once in the past two months. And how are they with that? Oh, they're fine. They're fine. No, they they, they want us to stay home as much as we can. So, Man. 
That's awesome. And I can, and so it's yeah, it's 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 good. It's it's tough. It's I mean, it's definitely there are pros and cons to it. Are you still but, making uh, your phone calls to donors and families mm-hmm. and all yep. that stuff? Yep. How yep. how do you feel like that's been going? Great. Good. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's, and there are some days where people like it, it's the best when I mean this is also like the hardest part. It's just when you talk to people, especially who are like older, and it's just scary. And it's just hard, you know, and you can tell. So one thing that I'm doing right now is I'm just taking, like, how, I'm asking how can we pray for uh, for all of them. And it's just um, I get a, there are a lot of answers. So there's a lot of uh, people who have, who just need prayer. And you can just tell that this is just weighing on people's hearts and minds. So. Yeah. Do you feel like um, people are still invested in the mission of the Glen Mary Home Missionary? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Even more yeah. so now? Um, I don't know if I would say even more so. I would, um, um, I I think this is just like, it's been really cool to see. Like we've had people who have, you know, I've heard of, and I've I've heard this through a bunch of different non profits where people have used their check that they got and they gave it to like one or two or three or four different groups that they are passionate for. And that's really incredible. And so to see that again and again and again and, and, he, and hear that over um, just and hear that over and over again is really cool to see. So I, I so I think in one sense, yes, it's helped me see, wow, we really are a beloved group by a lot of people. And that's really cool. That's really, really cool. So I actually um, this is uh, I, this is the thing I wanted to um, to uh, talk about. I don't know if I agree with J.D. Flynn's article 100%. About the fall of the Catholic about, Church? Yeah, I, 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 I think he brings up a really good point, especially when it comes to, like, um, diocese. And I, I think I take a little bit of, like, a different approach For than those of you who does. don't know, J.D. Flynn wrote a basically, like, a two- It's good. It's good. It's a really, it's a really good article. analysis, like, this, if, if unemployment stays up, collections go down, if they hit a critical point, dioceses will literally have to go bankrupt because the vast majority of diocesan money comes from the cathedraticum tax, where individual parishes are taxed to pay for the archdiocesan offices. And that, for the most part, tends to fund people like salaries and stuff and different things unlike that there. So not always, but uh, that's pretty much all. Or like that, like they're almost like the building and their salaries. Covers all their operational costs, but not. But a lot of times, this doesn't cover. It can't cover the budgets of different people's like ministries and stuff like that. So, uh, and it's good. It's a really. It's a. It, it brings up a lot of um, really good points. And if you, do, do do you care if I just like indulge myself for yeah, a bit on for this? Because I, I think please. it's. I think it was very interesting. But here's here's what I'd say. So the church is still the biggest group that people tend to give to. We're still the biggest group that we're still the. Like we collect the most money out of all non out of all like out of all like nonprofits. Okay, that tends to be for two reasons. One is people still prioritize faith based giving. That's going to change. We're the first age group that does not. It's actually third, I think. They, I believe, they put like hospitals uh, and like big out causes ahead of us, like ahead of the church. Um, two, the church ask every week. 
like we ask every week. So we're always asking for money. So people are like always are, you know, always are always giving. So I agree. And I, I, I mean, of course, like he has facts to back this up. Like people aren't in your experiences. People aren't like they aren't bringing in as much right now because we're not asking. That's the our primary way of getting these funds is through collections every week it really matters it keeps the lights on it helps feed our mission our stuff we do with all with with all like of the poor and like blah 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 i'd be willing to bet that parishes that have good active which are two really key things right there good and active stewardship efforts are actually probably doing okay or aren't hurting as much. Now it just depends upon it depends on how they balance that out. But I would be willing to bet that the churches that for like a lot of these groups, they still probably rely on what they pull in every week from collections because you have everyone right there. Most people, most churches operate, I think, on a three week yeah. buffer. So yeah. if you if everyone stopped like. Um, uh, spring break week cripples parishes, but it's followed quickly ish by Easter week, which doubles a parish's income. So it's yeah, and it's why you didn't have people come and do appeals over the summer because you don't have as many other people there, and and the priests are on vacation and blah, blah blah blah. But here's the thing: a lot of nonprofits, if they're well run, and actually don't take they don't like during a recession. Now again, this is going to be different because this is unemployment. As opposed to, you did have unemployment last time, but it was really earnings, like people's earnings went down dramatically. And it was like, you know, you had tons of people are like who were coming out of school our age who like your, you know, basically average income compared to like 10 years before had gone down by half. And people had, they had a master's degree who were working at Starbucks. So they had, they had a job, but they were making way less. Um, and they were they were very underemployed. So again, this could change. This could change that as well. But a lot of nonprofits actually didn't take too much of a hit because people still gave. Now they, they might not have given as much, but people still gave. And I think in the the, the church, if you change how you raise money, people are still going to give. You know, so like there are some churches that are actually doing. Well, because they found um, different ways to have people give right right now. Because people still want to give. And people will still give even if they don't have the money. They might not give as much, but you just have to find more people to get to get to get almost less dollars from. So there's not this like there's not this direct correlation between the economy and and what people give. Now it, it does there there is I mean that's not true. Sorry, let me back up. There is there is a correlation between those two things, but it's not as direct as you might as you might as you would think. That's all. I uh, I, I just I get so scared for parishes that never had online giving beforehand. Oh yeah. And oh they, no, absolutely. They have zero absolutely. pathways. Like I think about small churches and medium sized churches who just never thought it was a priority. And who were scared of even doing it because, um, you know, uh, my collections are going to go down because people like the idea of putting an envelope in a basket. I mean, in a lot of evangelical churches, they'll give them a piece of paper that says, I give online. And they put that in the basket just because 
I kind of think that appeals to pride, but the whole idea of, you know, that we have trained our people to get into a habit of dropping something in the basket. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I was kind of surprised that my dad has been online giving for years at his local parish. And he just said, but I give on my own once a month at the beginning of every month. And he's like, I don't give automatically. And, you know, I do it online, but I make, I sit down every Sunday on the first Sunday of the month. And that's when I give. And uh, I thought that was cool, but like most places don't even have an avenue for that. So if no one's at church, z- almost if not zero dollars are coming in. And you think well, about and, churches like when I was invited out to Halifax, this guy said, um, you know, what you would make on one speaking gig is what a typical parish would collect in a whole summer, a whole season. And I was like, oh, okay, then never mind. I'm not coming to Halifax. <laughs> no, but uh, there is this, um, like, but I think the key thing is it's not just how you give, yeah. but it's the fact that, like, at Mass, we're basically doing an ask. Like, we're, we're, we're passing around the baskets, and we're saying, please give, without saying please give, because we all know we're expecting, like, it's an ask. So it's not just the fact that you have it. Like that, you know, you have online giving, but you're do you're asking people to give it this particular way to this particular thing, and I think I would be willing to bet that parishes that have ways and and really actively do that outside of the collection basket are doing better than others right right now. And some don't have they don't have the time, they don't have the people, they don't have the means to do that. And that's a that's a that's like a real challenge. And this and like this isn't a I'm knock on any, you know. I I, I just my, my only thing was I was like, well, I think there's a little bit more to this than just that. Agreed. Luke, you got any bucket list items before uh before baby comes? That coronavirus hasn't destroyed all your dreams of? No, coronavirus has ruined everything. Just want to paint her freaking room and get and get her some decent carpet. Doesn't smell like dog pee. Is that your dog's pee or the previous owner? Uh, a little bit of both, I think. Yikes. Yikes. It's, it's not too bad, but it's just like I'm like, well, okay, I want to get like it's just, and it's it's crappy carpet. It's crap. Like a, a guy, um the, the person who owned this house in two thousand eight or so, he redid a whole bunch of stuff. And it's cool, but it like it can tell it was like, oh, this is when like DIY kind of goes wrong because yeah. it's cheap carpet, it's really thin. It's like stomach. when me and you stayed in Washington D.C. for that young adult event in that Airbnb, and you oh, look around awesome. and you see all like the mold that's been just literally just paint over, and all of the walkways are so like HGTV wannabe, but nothing yeah, is square. Yeah. Nothing is level. The floor is bottling up. But when you see it, it's like, look at those wonderful wood floors. You're like, yeah, but they're not. It's not level anywhere. <laughs> like that was. Yikes. Yeah. But you're only going to be yeah. there for three days. So who cares? Yeah. yeah. It looked cool. I yeah. like that place. That oh, was fine. Yeah, sure. Peasant. Um, cool. <laughs> all right, Luke. Not, I love not, you, buddy. Not all of us can be uh, put up in the Hilton every weekend. But you better. <laughs> All right, y'all. Have a great day. You can find me at uh, Lay Evangelist. You can find Luke at the Luke V, um, and you can find Jason behind you. He's in your house. It's coming from <laughs> inside the house. Run like hell, <laughs> Jason. Thank you again for helping us thank, with yeah, this wonderful stream. Thank uh, you to Jason. Patreon.com/slash/cf. And if you'd like to really, see me not die, we really I want to thank everyone who is who uh, is like supporting us on there, especially um, right now. We will really means a lot. 
Thank you, guys. So. All right, right, everybody. Adios. We're We're out. out.